Oh, hey, quick note. I just put one and a half million dollars into the stock market in stocks and options. And if you want to know exactly what trades I'm making, check out the Stocks and Psychology of Money group link down below. You get lifetime access, price goes up over time, no reason not to join. And there's a coupon code link down below that's expiring soon. Birthday's coming up. Hey everyone, me Kevin here. We've got to talk about SoFi. What is the story about SoFi getting this? A bank charter approval? What's going on with mergers? Why is the stock up yesterday and again another 18% today, at least at the time of this recording? This is a stock that over the last couple days has gone from $12 to now $16. And the question is, is this potentially just the beginning? I mean, after all, if you look at the chart here, we've really only just today day crossed above our low support level here. Very rarely do we fall below this level here and it tends to be a buying opportunity. Buying opportunity here, now we're above that level. That's just a little bit of TA. Let's talk fundamentals though because that's what this video is about. Fundamentals. How high can this go? Let's talk about it. Keep in mind, this video is brought to you by the programs on building your wealth. If you join the Stocks and Psychology of Money group, you get all of my buy trade alerts. So that way, if you want to know what kind of option trades I placed on SoFi, you can learn about those. I'll link down below. Now, full transparency for this video, I do have exposure to about a million dollars of SoFi stock. But I'm going to say things that are both bullish and bearish, and I don't want you to misconstrue at all that I'm not invested in this stock. I am invested in this stock. So we'll make that very clear. Okay, so what is SoFi and what do they do? Well, simply put, uh, they started out as a lending company, student loans, and they've kind of expanded from there. They expanded from student loans to personal loans to home loans to credit card loans and to even commercial loans like small business loans. And so they make a lot of interest income. In fact, about 50% of their revenue comes from interest. Over 73% of their net revenue, which is their version of gross profit, comes from interest. So they make a lot of money from interest. And this is one of the things that has a lot of folks excited about the idea that, hey, wait a minute, if we're potentially going into a, an interest rate rising environment, maybe we need exposure to banks. Well, guess who just became a bank? SoFi. <laughs> and guess who potentially could benefit from higher spreads in interest rates? SoFi. <laughs> now, there's always the question that, well, but wait a minute, if you're a lender, one of the ways that you make money is through the origination and through the sale of loans. You usually don't make money from servicing. SoFi does service loans, but they usually lose money on this. Uh, and SoFi also has a technology platform. This is where uh, they uh, sort of encompass their stock brokerage as well, where you can buy crypto, you can buy stocks, things like that. They also have referral fee-based systems where, uh, just as an example, if you want to sign up with life insurance, try this. Go to metkevin.com life and then compare that landing page that you go to to the landing page that SoFi has when you try to sign up with life insurance. It's the same. It's because we, that is me separately from SoFi, have a partnership with Ladder Life. We get a little squeeze page. You go to it, you sign up. It's the same life insurance I have. I get a thank you bonus for you doing that. SoFi does as well. <laughs> so we're actually using a very similar way to make money in that sense. But, but these are all smaller portions of their revenue. Their referrals, their technology platforms, this is less than uh, about 20% of their revenue, right? But more importantly, going back to the, uh, the loan origination, a lot of folks are excited about the fact that, wait a minute, if SoFi is a bank and most of their money comes from interest, 
What if they can cut out the middle person, that is using another bank to uh, fund these accounts, to come up with the money, to borrow the money. If they can cut out a bank and they can now lower their cost of capital by being a bank, then they're going to increase their margin and potentially make more money. This is big news. And that's exactly what this is big news. But uh, I do want to also just give a quick shout out before we go into more of this banking news uh, to the fact that they acquired Galileo Financial. This is a, a company that actually provides virtual credit cards, physical credit cards, and payment processing APIs to uh, different uh, platforms. And SoFi owns this. SoFi does a lot. Uh, yesterday, we probably spent uh, together about, uh, I, I would say, maybe somewhere around 25 man hours or human hours uh, reviewing SoFi and, and, and coming up with the, the fundamental analysis that we were reviewing here. But in doing so, it, it, what was really mind-blowing was just how deep SoFi really is invested in the, uh, the fintech space. See, one of the things that's wild is that within this 20% revenue section, they have so many different ways of trying to attract people to their business, and that is a critical, and we'll talk more about numbers regarding that in just a moment, but that's critical. They want every way for you to potentially come to SoFi to be an option that's open. And so they have a robo-advising business, but not only do they have a robo-advising business where they are a licensed and registered investment advisor for that, that's SoFi Wealth LLC, all under the SoFi umbrella, but they also have a financial planning service it's SoFi Capital Advisors LLC, another registered investment advisor, all under the SoFi umbrella. And here, you can literally set up a free financial planning consult consultation call with a professional at SoFi. Now, that that is mind-blowing to me because I'm like, part of me is actually a little bit concerned because I'm like, how, how are y'all trying to make money here? I don't get it. How could you give away free financial planning like this? But then it makes sense. SoFi spends a lot of money on acquiring customers, and so their cost of acquiring a customer is somewhere around $800. Well, the expected lifetime value of a customer at SoFi is about $1,600. So in other words, they're putting $800 on the table now with the goal of doubling that over the time that you are a lifetime customer at SoFi. Okay, makes sense. Put $800 in, get $1,600 back. Hopefully you could do that within five to 10 years, and you got a pretty nice rate of return, especially if you can decrease that cost of capital or cost of customer acquisition from $800 to $400. Well, now things start getting fun. Now you get to like a 4X, right? And so if you can attract somebody through, let's say the financial planning business, and then get them into a home loan or into a personal loan or into a credit card consolidation loan or into their stock brokerage, and then eventually into the loans, well, gosh, now you've got a customer for life, as long as you don't, well, piss them off. <laughs> uh, and, and so not only do they have this uh, investment advisor business, which is incredible, but then I realized that they also have five, uh, at least five, free ETFs. Now, these are just uh, baskets, kind of like what you could set up on like M1 Finance or whatever, but they are actual exchange traded funds which bestows certain tax benefits. Talk to your CPA about that uh, in, in using these and potentially trading in these. I, I, I don't believe that these are actively managed. It's not like these are Kathy Wood style ETFs. Remember over uh, at, uh, at Kathy Wood, uh, at her ETFs like ARK, you're usually paying somewhere around eight, uh, 80 basis points 
in fees to invest in an ETF. So that would mean if you have $100 invested, you're paying about 80 cents per year as a fee for that ETF. And it makes sense because ETFs cost a lot of money to establish. I mean, you could be spending, or an ETF company uh, probably has a break-even cost on an ETF of managing somewhere around $50 million with uh, with an 80 basis point fee. <laughs> and so the fact that uh, SoFi is providing five different ones with, with no fee at all, it's kind of interesting. Now, I, I don't know much about the contents of them and whether they're actively managed or not. I highly doubt they are actively managed, but I imagine they make some sort of modifications to them over time, depending on, on, on whatever they feel. Uh, anyway, those are things that you could explore if you wanted to download the SoFi app. Uh, I, I'm not sponsored by SoFi. I do, again, want to be very transparent. I'm an investor in SoFi. Uh, I'm not a personal user of SoFi, uh, which I probably should be, and I am uh, I'm not sponsored by SoFi. I have been in the past though, uh, but not right now. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about the banking aspect of SoFi and uh, some background information because there's some misinformation uh, related to this in terms of how much capital SoFi is going to have to spend to get all this set up and going and, and is this potentially going to constrain growth over at SoFi. So let's clear this up. Now, Golden Pacific Bank was acquired by SoFi uh, on March 12th, 2021 for $2.55 per share, which worked out to about $22.3 million. So in other words, SoFi spent $22.3 million to buy a bank, <laughs> which is actually not that much money to get a company uh, essentially that has a banking license. Now, it still took 10 months though for a regulator to say, we're okay with this merger. And that's how SoFi is actually getting their banking license. See, they're not going from scratch trying to get a banking license. They're acquiring a bank, merging with this, and then applying through essentially a streamlined process of, of getting a banking license. This is very, very common. Banking charters are probably the most difficult thing that you could try to get done in America. Uh, but there are some benefits of this. For example, if you are a licensed lender, you usually have to be licensed in all 50 states, and that, that's a regulatory burden. Now, if I was, this is a substantial burden for, uh, there's no consistency usually between states, uh, so a massive burden for companies to manage. Uh, now when you're a bank, you're managed by uh, FDIC, the Fed, and the SEC. So you're really going from 50 state governments and the SEC, once you're past 15 states, uh, down to, to three regulatory bodies. So it's still kind of insane that you have three regulatory bodies, but it's a lot better. Uh, and so, uh, so if I bought this bank, and they are merging with Golden Pacific Bank. That's how they're getting the charter. They're going to be renamed SoFi Bank. The operating agreement does say that the resulting bank shall not engage in any crypto asset activities or services currently performed by SoFi. But it's important to separate these as sort of uh, the, the uh, umbrella that, uh, that you should kind of picture for this. So it gets a little confusing, but uh, I think it's made very simple by this. If we just say, here's SoFi uh, Inc then if this is sort of the, the holding company, then SoFi has many different aspects underneath it, right? Remember, we've got those two different uh, registered investment advisors, the two different versions of that. You've got like the robo-advisor, and then you've got uh, the uh, financial planning section. Uh, and then you've got like the technology platform over here, which could be like SoFi Crypto. I'm not exactly sure if they call it SoFi Crypto, but whatever, wherever they offer the crypto and, and stock services, whatever this is, which they use Apex 
to perform these services, which is just an intermediary that actually fulfills the trades for you. It's worth noting that companies, uh, well, Robinhood used to use Apex back in 2016. Uh, Webull and M1 Finance and many, many, many other companies use Apex. Payment for order flow, all the kind of classic stuff you would expect is over here. Uh, so SoFi does use payment for order flow. And then you have SoFi Bank. So SoFi Bank's over here. And so when you see no uh, crypto is allowed, that's that's over here at the bank portion. Uh, it's okay for crypto to continue here. At, at least that's my understanding uh, and, and, and reading of uh, documentation about what's going on here. So uh, then we've got uh, this. So, so now you've got a little bit of background on, on how this works and why the streamlining uh, helps. And uh, now numbers wise, it's useful to consider what Barron says. Barron says that uh, we can expect 200 to 300 million dollars in additional annual adjusted EBITDA because of lowering costs of capital. Uh, that's huge. And I'll show you where those numbers, you know, sometimes just saying these numbers doesn't make much sense. I'll show you in a spreadsheet where this becomes a lot more relevant, but that's huge. So this banking charter is a huge competitive advantage and it's something that SoFi is extremely happy about. Uh, and, and investors should be very happy about as well. Investors should be cheering. Uh, this and we'll talk values as well. Now, uh, as far as uh, the company itself and user growth, uh, it's worth mentioning that in September of 2019, the company had about 750,000 users. A year later, by September 30th of 2020, they had 1.5 million users. And uh, as of 2021, September 30th, we're at 2.937 million. So you've almost got a double, a double, and a double, which is pretty incredible. Now, uh, they also cross-sell about 70% of their products, which is huge. Again, remember, it lowers that cost of acquisition for customers. And they're really trying to bump this by making sure that they can offer pretty much every single service that somebody would need in the financial space. Whether again, that's stocks or crypto or financial planning or home loans or refinances or credit cards or whatever, they're trying to touch everything. And now that they're bank as well, when interest rates go up, I expect that SoFi is probably going to get a little bit competitive with a high yield savings as well. But speaking about competition, it's important to remember that there is a lot of competition. Uh, consider this, you've got JP Morgan reporting sign a significant drop last quarter and this quarter in credit card income. Uh, which isn't good. And JP Morgan is ramping up their marketing for credit cards. So you're going to have competition in that credit card space, which if somebody goes to JPM instead of SoFi, that's potentially a client that is now getting their home loan through JPM instead of SoFi or their student loan refinance, right? We uh, also don't expect, according to JP Morgan, that deposits are going to grow substantially in 2022, but uh, that right now we are seeing higher balances in folks' accounts than usual, which is good. SoFi has recognized this as well. And the goal is for more people to have more money at SoFi. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, however, JP Morgan does caution us that we're actually likely to see a decline in margins for mortgages going into 2022. And that's probably because the mortgage industry is extremely competitive. This is one of the reasons you've seen United Wholesale Mortgage and Rocket Mortgage not do that well in terms of their stock price. Uh, these are extremely competitive lenders and they make it very, very hard for companies to gather what are known as spreads. Uh, and this is where if let's say you're borrowing the money at 2.5%, uh, but you're lending it out at 3.5 on a 30 year mortgage, and then generally you're securitizing these and selling these loans off anyway. But that spread gets squeezed when you have clients who are able to shop. 
the best kind of client for a company is a client that comes in through like a student loan and then they do their stocks at SoFi or whatever. And then they're like, oh yeah, I need a mortgage too. And they don't even shop. They just can I have a mortgage, <laughs> right? This is one of the benefits of always shopping when you're, when you're looking for a mortgage uh, or, or even using potentially a loan broker who can do that shopping for you. Now, uh, worth also noting from some of the other banks here that uh, Morgan Stanley uh, and uh, Citi as well as Wells Fargo have all mentioned that uh, trading revenues have declined in the last quarters. And uh, that is still a portion of SoFi's revenues. It's about 18%. So we're going to see some headwinds in trading. And that's literally what SoFi said in their last earnings call, that they expect headwinds in the trading segment. And this is reiterated by what's going on at the other banks, uh, which is so weird to say that now. But you can now say the other banks because SoFi is now a bank. Uh, we uh, do have an increased what's being called by Morgan Stanley uh, uh, in terms of a war on talent or war for talent. Uh, this basically means companies are having to pay substantially more for talent. So if SoFi wants more financial planners, they're potentially going to have to pay more for those experts. And that's likely going to increase their cost of doing business, which isn't the most ideal, but is ultimately something that is part of the environment that we're in right now. Uh, we are seeing uh, at Wells Fargo default rates, at, uh, and, and this was reiterated by many different banks, but Wells Fargo, I think, said it best. They said that payment rates are extremely high and default rates are extremely low right now. On credit cards, they say that regarding savings, consumers have 30 to 35% more on deposit than they did pre-COVID. However, they too are launching new credit cards, including a 2% cash back on everything card with no limits uh, and no need to call to sign up for a category. That's a slam on Chase right there. Bank of America also sees small business lending running consistently above pre-pandemic levels. And uh, every loan category is expanding except for home equity. Now that is actually bullish for Bank of, or for, for SoFi uh, and really just the lending industry in general. The Bank of America is saying, wow, we're seeing small business lending pick up, lending pick up in uh, consumer loans and credit cards and student loans. Then that's bullish for SoFi, right? Uh, and, and again, so we're seeing headwinds in trading and probably margins getting squeezed at uh, the mortgage segment. But in the other lending sectors, it, it, it and wages going up, right? But in the other lending sectors, we're seeing positive news and a positive growth. Uh, now, you do have competition as well from a company like Upstart. Upstart offers loans uh, on their website, and they basically are a cloud-based artificial intelligence lending platform. And they're kind of like an AI broker is the best way I try to describe uh, Upstart. Now, I'm not an investor in Upstart, but basically they have software that make it very easy for bank partners to get loans done through, uh, through Upstart. That is a form of competition. Uh, from uh, for, for SoFi. So you got to watch Upstart as well as a competitor. And it's going to be one of the comps that we use for trying to value SoFi as well. Uh, they also get platform and referral fees that are, that are either a fixed amount or a percentage based on the volume of these loans originated. This makes sense. It's kind of like a commission for doing loans. Again, that makes them a competitor to SoFi. Now, uh, it, it's presumed that a lot of their loans are sold pretty much once they are uh, originated. So uh, if we do see uh, more competition here or declining fees, that is going to be a risk for a company like SoFi and Upstart uh, because originations and selling loans is a way to make money. And again, SoFi makes a ton of money from lending. The vast majority of their lending, over 70% of uh, their, their net revenue comes from lending. 
Okay, so now let's talk about uh, the the actual cost of goods sold here, which is the cost of their services. The biggest problem that I think SoFi has, and this is uh, something that I think is critical uh, for paying attention to, is decreasing the cost of acquiring customers. If for some reason it becomes substantially more expensive to acquire customers, like let's say SoFi has to brand a stadium to start acquiring customers, to me, that seems a little excessive and expensive. And that's literally what SoFi did. The Staples Center is now the SoFi Stadium, which is mind-blowing that a company with about a 12 or $13 billion market cap spent over $400 million on a stadium. Now, in fairness, when, when they made the deal, the company was worth a little bit more. The stock has come down a little bit uh, from some of its uh, euphoric highs. Uh, but uh, it still seems a little wild. So. I do have concerns over the amount of advertising spend. SoFi also does a lot of a partnering with uh, digital influencers, which personally, uh, this might be a little biased to say, but I think is actually a really good idea. Uh, I think partnering with digital influencers is the best kind of advertising. Like, and, and I always want to be transparent with you when I'm sponsored. I'm not sponsored by SoFi in this video. Again, I do on their stock though. But for example, what, would you, what, do, you, what, what do we care about more? Uh, you know, a TV commercial? Oh, sign up, you know, and make sure to call now. Call SoFi now. 1-800-355-355. Right? Like that or somebody giving you a deep dive about a product and then being transparent about being sponsored by uh, by the company, right? Again, this video is not sponsored by SoFi, but uh, I have been sponsored by them in the past. Uh, so I think they're a great company. Now, uh, okay, so that is a segment to watch when it comes to SoFi, is their marketing spend, because their margins right now suck. And that's because they're, well, the reality is they are an unprofitable business right now. Okay, so let's take a look at one of the uh, templates that I like to use for stock analysis. Uh, I've got a few of these, one for unprofitable companies, one for profitable companies. And uh, it, it probably took me somewhere around myself around 30 hours to, to put this together. It's, it's not perfected yet, but I'm still working on it. And I think the more companies I analyze with this, the better it'll get. Uh, but uh, this here is a, a spreadsheet that I put together on SoFi. And if we hop on over to the conclusion of the spreadsheet, we're gonna get a few different ways of valuing this company. Again, it's not profitable right now. We do expect to be profitable in the future by 2025. And if we use about a 66.9 times multiple in 2025, I do believe that a fair value for uh, SoFi would be about $32.56, which uh, at the time I put the spreadsheet together, that was, uh, SoFi was trading for about $13.71. I can jump over here and we can modify this just so we can get the compounded rate of return. Let's do that here. So let's go in here and edit this sheet here. And let's take SoFi's price, which right now is yesterday's price. Let's just delete that and manually throw in $16.36 here for the price. Uh, and so if, SoFi does end up running to about $32.56 by 2025, then that's an 18.7% compounded annual rate of return. It's a double, 18.78%. That's not bad. I do have a second uh, metric that I like to use, and it's price per sale or, or price to sales ratio. It's basically market cap uh, and, uh, and revenue weighted. And uh, in this case, it's the, the result that I got was a little less bullish. I got to about $27.63. And I always like to look at both of these numbers and make sure that I'm comfortable with both of these rates of return. Because first of all, I like to be conservative with my analysis. But second of all, uh, it, it's, it's always important to know that you could have price to earnings compression 
or you could have price to sales compression, or you could have compression in both. And so I always like using different metrics, especially for unprofitable companies, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, these are the comps that I used. So uh, obviously SoFi is is one of its own comps. Uh, so for in terms of price to sales, you would use SoFi as one of its own comps. Square, PayPal, uh, NerdWallet, Upstart. That's where I got to about an eight in terms of average price to sale or median price to sale here rather. Uh, I didn't use average because it, uh, the uh, NerdWallet has, has uh, NerdWallet and Square are a little skewed in price to sale right now and uh, they would weight this price to sales down substantially. So I'm, I'm using a median to get a little bit more of a true middle here. Uh, I, and then I also compress this by about 10%. So I'm only using 7.2 as a price to sales in the future for 2025. And then the uh, current average price to earnings ratios that we have uh, between Square, PayPal, NerdWallet, Upstart is about 94. And because NerdWallet has an infinite PE, I actually used 100. Uh, just to, to make sure this, this wasn't too ridiculous of a, of a weight. Uh, and then I took 30% off for multiple compression in the future, bringing me to about that 66.93. So that gives you a little bit of an idea in terms of how that worked. Uh, but this is worth looking at over here. This is uh, where we're going to change a little bit of information. So this right here in yellow, uh, the top line here in yellow, is uh, information from uh, the average Wall Street estimates right now. Uh, and I'm going to modify this a little bit because I believe that we're going to have a little bit of a higher margin than what Wall Street is currently expecting. Uh, and so what the reason I say that is because I don't believe that Wall Street has priced in yet the margin improvement that having a banking license is going to give SoFi. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to take about 10% off of the operating expenses, that should give me about $300 million of more bottom line money. So if we had taxable income here of 515 million, if I drop this to 25% in 2025, once they have their bank up and running and everything, that gives me about 300 million more here, brings me to about 859 million in taxable uh, income. And, and now, because the spreadsheet updates as I make it, we jump over here, we can actually see that SoFi uh, could potentially run as high as $54 uh, by 2025 if these margins improve this much. Now, I like to be conservative. So uh, even though $54 is really cool, uh, some people you know, can, can pull price targets out of thin air and say things, especially when a stock is running or going up, people like to say, oh, it's, it's going to 100, it's going to 100. Fine, that, that may happen, but ultimately things tend to rubber band back to fundamentals. $54 is possible. That's more than a 3x on this stock. Again, I'm going to be conservative, but I'm showing you that the original numbers that we used here, taking off uh, or not including that additional uh, marginal improvement there, the additional numbers there easily, in my opinion, bring us to 32 to 27 already with compressed multiples and uh, compressed price to sales ratios. So to me, that's, that's very, very exciting and, and something that I'm relatively bullish on. So we'll see. The big issue for SoFi though is going to be maintaining growth. And so far they've been doubling every year. I don't expect that double to continue. That's 100% growth. So right now I've actually only got 47% here for 2022, 42% for 23, uh, 20, about 30% for 2024 and 25% for 2025. Now that, that could end up being a realistic growth curve for SoFi. 
or they could miss substantially. Maybe their advertising falls flat and doesn't work as well. So there are real risk factors here. It is not a profitable company today. Uh, you, you can't do a discounted cash flow on this company right now uh, unless you really wanted to project out to 2030, which I don't like to project out more than four years. I already think projecting out to 2025 is generous, and I don't think they're going to be profitable until 2025, maybe 2024. Actually, I do have them at 2024 being profitable. So uh, there are a lot of things for you to weigh here. Now, I do want to also mention that there was a Seeking Alpha article where somebody mentioned that SoFi is going to have to contribute $750 million in capital to Golden Pacific Bank. And they kind of implied that this was an expense, that SoFi was going to have to spend this money uh, to, to essentially acquire the bank, $750 million. I think they missed the fact that SoFi already acquired this bank for $22.3 million in March. Uh, and this $750 million is really just the capital they're parking over there. So it's kind of like moving cash from one part of SoFi to the other. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not too worried about the capitalization of SoFi like this individual was in, in, in this Seeking Alpha review. Uh, now, regarding cash that they have right now, they've got current assets of about $854 million. And I could see that if you're like, well, they got $854 million, they got to move $750. Oh my gosh, like you're not going to have much cash left. But again, this, this is part of their operations. Remember, they make most of their money from lending. So the fact that they're moving money over there is, again, just moving money around. Uh, they do have current liabilities of $552 million, so more, more current assets than current liabilities. Uh, and they, they've got some debt, okay? They've got $5.5 billion of debt. So uh, longer-term debt is something to pay attention to here as well. Part of this longer-term debt is their... The, the, the crazy amount of spending that they do for advertising, okay? Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think the digital influencer spend is great, but if it gets out of hand and uh, they, they have lower rates of return on their partnerships with digital influencers or things like branding with, with the SoFi Stadium, then uh, I do think that there are substantial risks for SoFi. Uh, and if they do start paring back their marketing spend, then they might not grow as much as they're expected. If their marketing is less uh, less effective, then they might have to spend more money and grow less uh, than than expected. So there are a lot of assumptions when you're investing in, in a fintech company, and fintechs have been getting wrecked in the stock market lately. Uh, so a lot of risks. Uh, I, I do think that the downside, generally for SoFi, is around $14.80. And uh, this, is, this is more technically based than it is fundamentally based. Uh, and it's really solely because looking at the chart, you see this thick blue line right here. It, it's pretty evident that when you're buying it under 1480, in my opinion, you're, you're getting a relative bargain on it. Uh, now, uh, no guarantees. That's, uh, like I said, it's a relative bargain, which does not necessarily have to mean bargain. You go into a recession, the last thing you probably want your investments in are companies that uh, are exposed to loans that could substantially default. But again, when we listen to what the other banks are saying, that doesn't seem to be as big of an issue. So uh, look, I'm optimistic. If you want to know exactly uh, what kind of trades I'm making and everything that I'm doing when it comes to investing, make sure to check out the programs on Building Your Wealth, a link down below. Stocks and Psychology Money Group comes with the buy sell alerts. There is a coupon code that does expire on my birthday, which is now in, what is it, uh, eight days. So I'm super excited about that. Anyway, hopefully you found this helpful. If you did, consider sharing this. Thank you so much for watching this video, and folks, we'll see you in the next one. Thanks.